for you. I know for me it's easy to follow along that way. Um, that's, of course, if the speaker sticks to the handout. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> Real quickly, trying to, I'll try to explain to you how we came to this uh, today. Uh, I've been enjoying studying the Spirit, and as you know, we've been speaking on the Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and, and what it means to, to walk in the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. Um, and so I kind of, that's where I started. And um, in doing so, one of the things that the Lord just really laid in my heart is that one, one of the kind of the main evidences of a Spirit filled life is a thankful heart. And I thought, you know, it's funny, the Lord just kept bringing me back to that, and I completely forgot that this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And so I thank the Lord for that. But So I guess you could call it today a Thanksgiving message, so to speak. Um, but it's just kind of where the Lord has led me uh, this morning. I just um, want to look at, if you have your hand out there, I want to look at how do we respond to God's blessings. <clears throat> um, even I think it was Greg was praying this morning as we look at these boxes. Right. We don't even understand. Right. We don't even understand what the lives are like of the people who are going to receive these boxes. We don't we have we don't have any clue. There are some of us that here you've gone to the DR and you've gone to Niger and you've gone to places. And so you do have a little bit of a taste. Right. But to be living that type of day, day in and day out for year after year after year, we just don't know what that's like. We have no idea. And so God has blessed us. Um, he has blessed us tremendously. And how do we respond to that? How do we respond to God's blessings? Um, If you look at Luke chapter 17, a familiar story to to many of us here. We're going to begin in verse 11 of Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he, that's the Lord Jesus, uh, he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. (laughs) So Jesus answered and said, "Uh, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God? Except this foreigner. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The Lord will bless the reading of his word again this morning. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you again um, <clears throat> for your precious word, but we also thank you for thy Holy Spirit. Pray this morning that I be, would be controlled by thy Spirit, be led by thy Spirit, empowered by thy Spirit. That your Spirit, would uh, enlighten our hearts and our minds uh, to understand uh, the mind of God. We pray this so that uh, you, dear God, would be glorified uh, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, there's a story, uh, a man was telling a story of how he was uh, trapped. He was trapped by um, rising floodwaters. And uh, he had to actually climb to the top of his roof to escape uh, the rising uh, floodwaters. And uh, later, uh, in describing the experience, he told how frightened he was and actually how he knelt down on his knees and he prayed um, that God would save him. Some of you probably think you heard this story before, aren't you? Okay. Well, the person listening said, hey, did God answer your prayer? He said, actually, no. 
He said, before God had the chance, a neighbor came by in a canoe and picked me up. See, like that man, I think there are many uh, people who are blind to the many blessings that God daily showers upon them. They're blind to it. For most of us here, we, we awake, right? Um, we see the sun shining, right? How often do we thank God that the sun is shining? We wake up and we hear birds chirping, right? We see beautiful flowers and trees. How often do we thank God for those blessings? I would imagine uh, there are those who we've talked about already in various parts of the world that would love to hear birds chirping. Would love to see beautiful flowers and trees. These people that are blind to the many blessings that, that God daily showers upon them, they complain, right, that, uh, that they're eating the same old cereal this morning. Not realizing that there are many around this world who would die just to have a bowl of cereal. Many of these people, they, they complain about their jobs. When again, when so many in this world wish they had a job or perhaps the strength to work. Many complain about their lack of money when they spend probably more money on entertainment than most in this world earn as an income. Many people are blind to the many blessings that God daily showers upon them. And so whether this morning you are a believer in Jesus Christ or whether you're not, and the fact is that God has blessed you far more than you realize. Far more than you deserve. I think it's important for us to understand how do we respond properly to God's abundant blessings. You see, to be oblivious to the fact that God is blessing you, or even worse, to take credit for your blessing. Okay? as if you earned it by your own efforts, is to slight God. The only proper response to glorify God is with a thankful heart. That is the proper response in glorifying Him. And so, these two responses, right, there's an improper one and there's a proper one, are illustrated in this story that Jesus tells of cleansing the ten lepers. So I'd like to look at it together uh, this morning. <clears throat> if you look at verse 11, please. It says that, that they went to Jerusalem. And so if you look at the context here, Jesus is actually leaving Ephraim, and he is going to Jerusalem. Do we know why he's going to Jerusalem? Yeah, Jesus is going to Jerusalem to meet with his appointed destiny. This is his final journey here as he heads to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And you can look at a lot of the Gospels have the uh, accounts of this journey that they have, leaving Ephraim, heading to Jerusalem. Uh, Matthew and Mark, it's interesting, in this journey, they record many, many multitudes who follow Jesus on this journey. Many of them asking Jesus to heal them. Miracles performed. Jesus teaching them along the way. But it's Luke. Luke is the only one that records this incident, which is interesting to me. There are other stories of lepers that were healed in the Gospel of Luke and in Matthew and Mark. But in this particular journey here, as they're leaving Ephraim and heading to Jerusalem, Luke, for some reason, uh, deems this one pretty important. Why not, right? We know Luke, right, was a physician. Right? What more uh, interesting for a physician, right, to see ten lepers healed simultaneously? So Luke records this story here of the, the ten lepers. Now Samaria uh, was a district in, of Palestine in Christ's time. And Galilee was to its north and Judea was to the south. And so it seems that they are traveling somewhere uh, along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And in verse 12 it says, As he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And so he enters this village. He encounters these, 
these ten leprous men. Um, in the Bible, leprosy uh, can refer to a number of skin diseases, but in its worst form, it was what we know as Hansen's disease. This awful disease took two forms. <clears throat> Both forms start with like a discoloration of your skin, white or, or, um, or pink uh, patch of skin. <clears throat> and the more benign of these two actually would heal itself within three years without any treatment. But William Barclay, he describes the hideous progression of the worst form of this disease. It might begin with little nodules, which go on to ulcerate. The ulcers develop a foul discharge. The eyebrows fall out. The eyes become staring. The vocal cords become ulcerated. And the voice becomes hoarse. And the breath wheezes. The hands and feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of that kind of leprosy is nine years. And it ends in mental decay, a coma, and ultimately death. Leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some parts of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulcerations of the hands and the feet. And then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes. Until in the end, a whole hand or a whole foot may just drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a kind of terrible progression, a terrible progressive death in which a man dies by inches. Why do I tell you that in detail this morning? I think it's important for us to understand okay, that the Bible wants us to see ourselves in our natural state, before Christ, as spiritual lepers. You're real beautiful, aren't you? There's nothing attractive about us. It's disgusting. Okay? It's hideous. And this is what the Bible wants us to see ourselves, in our natural state, before Christ, in His sight. See, God wants us to see that we are sick with sin. That we are unclean. Jeremiah 17.9, a lot of us quote it all the time. I never, never looked at the Hebrew of this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and what? Desperately wicked. You know what that is in the literal? Incurably sick. Your heart is incurably sick. We're lepers. Spiritual lepers. And he wants us to know that these men um, are a picture, if you will, of ourselves in our natural state, right? Before Christ in his sight, apart from him. And you'll notice here in this verse, it says that they stood afar off. So not only was this disease just horrible physically, um, the terrible social consequences in ancient Israel only added to the misery. You see, lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. The Mosaic Law prescribed that the person be cut off from society, including his family. He had to wear torn clothing, have his head uncovered, cover his lips, and shout, Unclean! Unclean. Wherever he went, to warn others, often, to keep their distance. You can read this in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. And that was the state of these men here. These men that he encountered along the way. And, right? Is it not uh, a picture too of us? Right? Here are these men who are sick and they are cut off. They are far off. We ought to describe to you that we ourselves right, are sick with sin and unclean, but 
Also, in our natural state, we are far from Him. We cannot be near God. Cannot be in His presence. In fact, Ephesians describes it eloquently, right? That we were without God. We were without Christ, right? We were without hope. We were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to the covenant of promise. And, and, and Paul describes it pretty well. He says, you were far off. You were far away. Far away from God. Just as this awful disease of leprosy separated these men from their community, so sin causes distance and disruption in human relationships. Too often sin has damaged relationships amongst the church, amongst family members. It is um, something that is disruptive. And so we have these, these ten lepers who, who stand afar off. And in verse 13 of this chapter, it says, They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want to just point something out here is that the, the, the proud refusal right, to acknowledge our true condition Right, as spiritual lepers, is one of the main reasons people do not receive God's salvation. It's one of the main reasons that they will not receive God's salvation. If you look at the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, they, they could not see the Savior because the Pharisees could not see themselves as being spiritual lepers. Right? They weren't that bad. If you look at the church of Laodicea, right, in Revelation, right, what do they say? They say, um, we are rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. We don't need Christ. This is the condition of man, one of the, the worst ones that keeps them from receiving God's salvation. They refuse to acknowledge their condition. Imagine what the lepers, if the lepers thought that. If the lepers heard Jesus, this one coming near where they were, near a village that they were outside of, and they thought to themselves, you know, we may be sick, but we're not all that bad. Right? They would never have cried out to Jesus for mercy. And yet, that's what man does today too, right? Man says, listen, I, I know I do bad things. Right? I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not a horrible sinner. You don't tell me I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner. They refuse to acknowledge who they are before Christ in His sight. And so therefore, they cannot receive God's salvation. You see, I believe the first step to receiving God's blessings is to acknowledge your desperate condition before Him. One of the things I really uh, admire about these these lepers, as we just looked at the physical condition, right? Leprosy actually attacks the vocal cords. Like I said, it, it, ulcerations become on the, on the vocal cords there. And so um, you'll notice here in this verse, in verse, um, verse 13, it says, they lifted up their voices. Now, <clears throat> remember, they're far off. They're probably outside of the village where they're at. And in order for Jesus to hear them, they, they have to lift up their voices. But can you imagine the pain in that? Can you imagine how difficult it was for them? To try to yell out to Jesus. They could probably only make some kind of raspy sound. But that didn't stop them from raising their voices and crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Perhaps even as they covered their mouth, they yelled out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Listen, I want to tell you something about the Lord Jesus. Okay? The Lord Jesus is gracious and He will never turn a deaf ear to a cry like that. He never will. These men, they knew Jesus by name. They cry out to Him, Jesus. But also, it's interesting that they call Him Master, right? They, they acknowledge His authority. In fact, it's interesting that Luke is the only gospel to use this word in addressing Jesus. I didn't know that. 
In fact, every other time Luke uses it, the disciples are the ones that use it. So this is the only recorded time where someone other than the disciples gives Jesus that title. Master, have mercy on us. They recognize his authority. And uttering this cry, these lepers take the proper place under Jesus' sovereign authority. And how that's important for us too, right? We need to put him in his proper place as Lord and Master when we come to him. If you look at verse 14, it says, When he saw him, that's the Lord Jesus, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So it said, Leprosy um, rendered a man ceremonially defiled. Okay, so that uh, if he was healed, he still had to go to the priest and carry out an extensive ritual of cleansing before he could be accepted back into the religious community and worship. If you look at Leviticus 14, you don't have to turn there now. I wish we could go into it today, but there's no time. You will not believe what they have to go through, even after they're healed. If there's no more leprosy, you will not believe everything that they have to go through to be accepted back into their community. The animals that have to be killed. They've got to dip a live bird into a dead bird's blood and let it fly. And There's all these crazy things that they've got to do. It's, it's unbelievable. And so, certainly the priest had no power to heal them, but he was designated as the, as the one to pronounce them clean. And Jesus knew that. Remember when Jesus healed the leper in Luke chapter 5? Right? There's a little different, right? Because Jesus first heals him. Then he instructs him to go show himself to the priest. But here, what's interesting, right, is there's no evidence of healing when he tells them to go. Right? Jesus commands these ten lepers to go show themselves to the priests without any evidence of healing. I wonder if there was like a debate amongst them. It's not recorded, so this is just hypothetical, but imagine these ten lepers. They know the law. They're seeing themselves. They're, They're not healed. And Jesus says, yeah, go, go show the priests that you're healed. One of them said, guys, if we go to the priest right now like this, they're going to be looking like we're fools. Right? Maybe one of the other guys says, yeah, but hey, listen, we've got nothing to lose. Another guy says, listen, you know how hard it's going to hurt on our feet as we go to see the priest? Right? Maybe another guy said, listen, man, let's try it. I don't, I don't know what kind of conversation they had, but these men, right, they actually go with no evidence of healing. At Jesus' word, they go show themselves priests or, or on their way. I, I think that it was a test of faith for them to go without any evidence of healing. You know, it reminds me of Naaman, right? Remember when Naaman and the girl said, listen, go see the prophet, you know? And, and when he's told, hey, listen, go dip in the Jordan seven times. He's like, I, I ain't doing that, right? And his um, armor bearer, whoever was with him, he says, listen, what do you got to lose? You know, go dip, right? So there's that faith, right? And there's that faith here, um, a test of faith, if you will, that they had to go. And we read in this verse that as they went, so when Jesus gives them this command, they're not cleansed. But as they went in this act of obedience, it says that they were cleansed. (laughs) Again, I'm not sure, um, you know, if it happened to all at the exact same time. Or maybe there was like one of them that was cleansed and then another one and then another one. Right? You ever think about these things? Like, imagine if some of them had no fingers or toes. Now they have fingers and toes again. Right? As, as, as they're heading to the priest, maybe the, the sores on their feet or in their body, it just aches and all of a sudden they realize, that doesn't really hurt anymore. And as they look down, all of a sudden the color's back in their skin. I don't know, but how fascinating that must have been for these ten men. Right? As they go, it says they were cleansed. It must have been a marvelous experience. Now in a moment, I'm going to share why I think only one man was saved here. But the cleansing of these lepers, I think, pictures what God does to the souls of those who call out to Him for salvation. Right? The only condition to receive God's healing for our leprous souls, is to take him at his word. That's what these lepers did. 
And without any evidence of healing, he told them to go see the priest, and they did. And we know that whoever believes in the, the Lord Jesus Christ will not perish, but have eternal life. Notice how these lepers, they did not first try to clean up before they went to the priest. They didn't try to make themselves presentable. Right? These lepers did not just believe intellectually, right? but they had faith that obeyed Jesus' word. It's the same with us, right? We read in Ephesians that it says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. And it says, In whom also having believed. Every one of us, we came to a point in our lives where we first had to acknowledge, right, our spiritual condition as spiritual lepers, right? But then we had to take Christ at His word. We had to believe what He said. It was a test of faith. An act of obedience. But look here though, in verse 15. This is where the story kind of changes here. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. So even though in, a, in one sense, I think all ten lepers illustrate saving faith, and that they took Jesus at his word and acted upon it personally, in another sense, I believe the nine fell short of saving faith. Why? Is because if you look at verse 19, Jesus says to the one, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Or some years may read, your faith has saved you. Saved you. The nine, they got what they wanted from God in terms of healed bodies. But they went no further. They never returned to Jesus to receive salvation of their souls. They received the temporal benefit of healed bodies. But it is only to the one thankful leper who returned that our Lord actually proclaims, your faith has saved you. Question I ask for you is Is it possible to receive special blessings from God in answer to prayer, such as healing from a serious illness, and yet to fall short of the blessed blessing of all? I believe so. God loves to bless. He could not turn a deaf ear to these lepers' cry. And He was willing to heal them, He was willing to answer their cry. But they missed out on the best blessing of all. They missed out. And so many today, they miss out on the best blessing of all. Sure, they enjoy many of God's blessings. But not the salvation of their souls. So I asked myself, I said, why didn't these nine return? Right? They saw that they were cleansed. They knew Jesus did it. Why didn't they go back? Again, this is just speculation, I don't know, but maybe in their legalism, right, in their obedience to the letter, they still went to the priest. Jesus said, hey, go to the priest. And maybe they continued on their way and they went to the priest. We read in God's Word that some are forgetful that in obeying the letter, they violate the spirit of Christ's command. Maybe that's what happened there. Too much legalism, obedience to the letter, rather than the spirit of Christ's command. Perhaps it was Jewish pride, right? They felt that they had a right to the blessing, right? And attributed them not to the mercy of Christ, but they attributed it to their own relation as Israel to God. Maybe it was Jewish pride. Even as I share this, I don't know if all the other nine were Jewish men. I think they were. Just because it points out that the one was a Samaritan, I believe the others were Jewish, but we don't know who these other nine were. Right? Or perhaps it was just Jewish ingratitude. Right? Neglect of the blessed opportunity that was within their reach. Perhaps it was that. I don't know. I don't know what kept these guys from coming back. But if you're looking at your handout, yes, I'm getting to the handout. Here we go. Alright? I think there's a lesson here. Okay? I think the lesson here is this. Is that we may expect and even experience miracles 
without any real faith in Christ. I'll say that again. I think that we may expect and even experience miracles without any real faith in Christ. I believe, according to the story, that you can, with belief, indeed, in His power, but without surrender to His rule. Surrender to His rule. So there are many today that believe in His power, but they will not surrender to Christ's rule. They won't do it. And that, I think, describes man today. Man is, loves to enjoy God's blessings. Man asks for God's blessings. Right? And God grants them blessings. You, you may not even be a believer here in the Lord Jesus Christ is more, and you say, well, God hasn't blessed me. You're alive, aren't you? That's a good blessing from God. The fact that you got clothes on, you got food in your tummy. God's blessed you. Okay? God blesses those who are saved and unsaved. He has the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? God delights to show mercy to whoever you are. But I think many today experience miracles but have no faith in Christ. They believe in God's power, but they will not surrender to His rule. I think these nine illustrate that. If you look at your table here, I think we see that here, right? If you look at these, these other nine uh, ex-lepers, we'll call them now, because they're no longer lepers, right? What they did here, which is different than the one, is this. They seeked blessings from Christ. They seeked blessings from Christ. Whereas the other one, What happened with him? He received Christ through such blessings. Huge difference. The other nine, right? They were seeking a blessing from Christ. The one, he received Christ through the blessings. Not only that, you'll see with these other nine, the blessing sought was the object. That was their object. They were just looking for a blessing. Right? They were looking for a benefit from God, um, uh, um, grace from God, right? Whereas the one, the blessing sought was the means to the object. See, he realized that God, that blessing from God, this healing of his body was what God used to bring him to the greatest blessing of all, Jesus Christ. Kind of the same thing, but the next one is the blessing sought by the nine was the goal, right? That was their goal. That's what they were seeking, is a blessing, right? A benefit from God. Whereas the one, the blessing was the road to the goal. That was the blessing for him. It was the road to the goal. As we saw with the other nine, we already mentioned this, right? The blessing gave healing. It actually gave healing. God blessed them in healing their bodies. They were cleansed. Right? But with the one, the blessing gave salvation. He received salvation. As Christ says now, your faith has saved you. And this is what kind of sad here, but I think, again, um, applicable to man today, is the blessing, ultimately, it led away from Christ. Right? Remember, they, they cried out to Jesus. Right? They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when the blessing was received, when the healing bodies came, where'd they go? They went away from Christ. Whereas, in the one, the blessing led to Christ. When he received that blessing, healed body, he returned to Christ and to discipleship. To discipleship. Oswald Chambers says this. He observes this, actually. He says, The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God. And he said, And it is His blessings that make it difficult. You hear that? He says, The difficulty is concentrating on God. And you know what makes it hard? Is the blessings that God gives us. Right? He says, Troubles nearly always make us look to God. 
But his blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere. How true is that and how sad is that? Right? Right? Always in troubles in our lives, that's what makes us look to God. But God always is blessing us. But too often his blessings, they tend to make us look elsewhere. As in you see with these nine lepers. Spurgeon points out this. He says, while ten men prayed, only one praised. While ten men prayed in this story, only one of them praised. He says that even so, there are far more who are prone to pray in time of need than to praise God when He meets that need. So often in my own life, right? When there's a need, I go to God and I ask God to meet that need. I wish I could tell you that every single time God met that, I reciprocated that with praise. You see, you'll see in your handout again there, many profession, professing Christians use God to meet their needs. They'll use God to meet their needs, but they do not live to glorify Him. Many professing Christians use God to meet their needs, but they don't live to glorify Him. You see, the fruit, right after that, the fruit of saving faith are lips that give joyful thanks. That's the fruit of saving faith, guys. The genuineness of our salvation, our faith, means that we will thank Him joyously. That's what this one man did. I think the thankful leper represents that to us. He shows us how we are to respond to God's blessings. So let's look at these quickly. First, you'll see in verse 15, it says, The one came, right, who was healed, returned, and with a loud voice. Right? That is the passion of praise and worship. Passion. I must praise God with a loud voice. Before, his voice had been hampered by leprosy. It was freed up now. Right? And now he exercised it with full force. Right? Others may have been embarrassed by his exuberance, but he didn't care. Jesus had healed him, and he was going to make it known. Right? This leper's glad praise should be that of every person whose heart has been healed. By Jesus' mighty power. That's the passion of our praise and worship. Hey, we can't be quiet. Right? We can't be embarrassed. I love how we sang that song, Overwhelmed. But one of the lines there says, Unashamed because of mercy. Right? We can sing and we can be loud because we're unashamed. We don't care. Sorry, man. But I, I love hearing Brian sing, man. That dude is loud. Hey, and it may not always be on a key, but he don't care. You can ask him. He doesn't. Because you know why? He realizes at one point, right, he couldn't sing. Hey, but now that he's been saved, right, that's the evidence of true saving faith is that he wants to praise God and do it loudly. I don't know if any of you guys know my mom. When she visits here, yeah, you know when she sings, man. Hey, you can hear her above everybody else. Hey, listen, I'm not saying that you got to out, out-duel everybody else here in the room here, but why are we so afraid to sing out? Why are we so afraid to, to praise God? We're worried about the person next to us. Who cares? You're not here for them. You're here for God. Right? Sing out. Be loud about it. Not only that, at school I get in you know, trouble with my colleagues all the time because I sing. I sing the other day. And they're like, John, stop it. I go, no, I'm not going to stop it. Hey, God saved me. And I can't help but sing. I can't help it. That's the passion of my praise and worship. This man, he came back and it says that he, right, he, with a loud voice, he glorified God. I wonder what that was like. Thank you, Jesus. 
came back and he fell on his face. He said, thank you. Thank you for healing me. But not only that, he shows us here, right? He, with a loud voice, he glorified God. See, that's the precedence of praise and worship. You notice here that that's actually mentioned twice in this context here. Twice. My main priority is to glorify God. That's the precedence of my praise and worship. That's the priority. Right? We live to glorify God. That's it. You were a spiritual leper. Hey, you were outside. Your voice was raspy. And God healed it. And that is the precedent now of your praise and worship is to just glorify Him. Jesus says there in verse 18, Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Just this one? As I said before, so many people today, right, they'll use God to meet their needs, but they will not live to glorify Him. That's what God's looking for. God is seeking those who will worship Him. Those who will glorify Him. To glorify God is to extol His attributes, His actions. It is to exalt Him. To let others know how great He is. The Puritans, they used to say this. They said, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever on account of His blessings of salvation towards us who deserved His judgment. That is the chief end of man, is to glorify God. Not only that, we see in verse 16 that he fell down on his face. That's the posture of praise and worship. I must have an attitude of humility. I said, I don't know what led those other men to not come back. It could have been pride. It could have been that they expected the blessing. Right? We are of the people of God, the nation of Israel. Right? Not so for us. If the posture of true praise and worship is to humble yourself before God. To fall on your face before Him. And know that you did not earn that blessing. That God graciously gave it to you. We owe everything to Him. And we cannot claim anything as coming from ourselves. This leper was not maintaining his dignity or self-esteem. Right? He wasn't claiming Jesus did his part, but I did my part. He knew that he had been totally healed because of Jesus' mercy. Listen, every, this is where every saved person should camp out. On their face before the Lord. That is the posture of praise and worship. Not only that, it says that he fell down on his face at his feet. That's the place of praise and worship. See, whereas before, remember, the man had to keep his distance from Jesus because of his disease. Now he can come near to him. He can actually fall at Jesus' feet. I love the, the story there, the, the demon-possessed man in the chains, right? Jesus healed him. When they came back, they found him right there sitting with Jesus, reclining with Jesus. That's the place of praise and worship, is to be near Jesus. Once we were afar off, right? But now we've been brought nigh. We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the place of praise and worship. We cannot properly glorify God if we do not fall in adoration at His feet. We can't do it. We must spend much time at His feet. And then lastly, not only did He fall down on His face at His feet, but it says, giving Him thanks. That is the pulse of praise and worship. That is the pulse. The um, Maasai tribe in West Africa, in West Africa uh, they have an unusual uh, way of saying thank you. They actually bow and they put their forehead on the ground. And they say, my head is in the dirt. Another African tribe, 
They express gratitude by sitting for a long time in front of the hut of a person who did the favor. And they literally are saying, I sit on the ground before you. You see, these Africans understand what Thanksgiving is and why Thanksgiving is so difficult for us. At its core, Thanksgiving is an act of humility. Why? Because it acknowledges our debt to the other person. For you to say thank you to someone, you are acknowledging your debt to them. It's an act of humility. And Thanksgiving is so hard for us. It's so hard. But that's the pulse of praise and worship. That's why we praise God. That's why we worship God, because we're thankful. Right? We're thankful for the blessings. We're thankful for the best blessing of all, the salvation of our souls. Listen, three lessons emerge here when we look at this story. Right? One, gratitude is rare in a world of fallen man. It's rare. Gratitude is rare. But when it does appear, right, it often comes from the least expected sources. Here was this foreigner, this Samaritan. Right? Also, the Lord takes note of both those who thank Him and those who do not. Please know that. The Lord takes note. How thankful are you? The Lord is watching. The Lord is seeking those who will worship Him. He takes note of those who are thankful and those who are not. We have a time here every Sunday morning where we corporately can thank God. Do you think He takes note if you're here or not? I don't know. But he takes note of those who make the effort to thank him. To thank him. And then lastly, how to respond to God's blessings. Right? How do we respond? Especially to the blessing of salvation. Right? I believe it's glorifying God at the feet of Jesus with thankful hearts. That's how we um, respond to God's blessings. We glorify him at Jesus' feet with thankful hearts. See, I have to remind myself, right, that praise the Lord is not a slogan. Right? Praise the Lord is not just something nice to do. Right? You guys all know the tense of praise the Lord, right? It's in the imperative. It's a command. Okay? If my life is not marked by frequent praise to God for His many blessings, I am not being obedient. You're not. It is a command to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, while prayer will last for this life only, praise will continue throughout eternity. Those who have experienced Jesus' cleansing power should glorify Him. John Wesley, right? Before he got saved... He had a conversation late one night with a doorman of his college. And it deeply impressed him and convinced him that there was more to Christianity than as yet he had found. So this little doorman was influential in Wesley getting saved. He says this, Wesley discovered that the man had only one coat and that nothing had passed his lips that day except a drink of water And yet his heart was full of gratitude to God. Wesley said, you thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and no bed to lie upon. What else do you thank him for? I thank him, answered the doorman, that he has given me life and being, and a heart to love him, and a desire to serve him. What John Wesley says, that was one of the things that led him to put his trust in Jesus Christ. Are our lives like that? Our lives that we are thankful, no matter what we don't have or what we do have. Do we live a life that we are thankful? And as I said, one of the things that that led me down this road is, again, looking at what it means to have a spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life. You know, one of the things that's interesting is that, as we looked at last time, in Ephesians and Colossians, right, it says, 
that be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in, in Colossians, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right. And right after both of those, you know, what the first evidence that is written there, it says teaching one another with hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, making what melody in your heart, to the Lord. And the other one says singing. To the Lord, guys, that's one of the things that is the fruit of a saved life. The fruit of a saved life is you cannot be quiet anymore. That God saved you and you want everyone to know about it. You cannot help but sing his praises all the time, not just on Sunday mornings, but each and every day of your life. You've got a song in your heart. Brothers and sisters, listen, one day when this is over and we go into that, the next eternal state there, there'll be another song. You'll never stop singing. Because there's much to be thankful for. Right? God has blessed us in so many ways. This Thanksgiving, won't you again consider how you would respond to God's blessings? Are we those who wake up and complain about the same cereal that we're eating? You know, complain about our job, complain about lack of funds, whatever it is that we grumble about. Right? Or will we thank God that He healed us? He saved us. That we can actually come near to Him now. We can come at the feet of God. Listen. I think this, this one leper shows us, you know, the, um, how it is that we are to respond to God's blessings. He, he came back, he returned to Jesus with a loud voice, and he glorified God, fell at his face at his feet, and he thanked him. He gave him thanks. And that's what we should be as well. That's how we should be as well. And so, I'm sorry, man. Went over. What's that? Still do it? All right. I wanted to sing one more time together before we go. All right? And listen, I, I, don't, want, I don't want just half-hazardly singing. I, I want you to sing loud. Okay? Not for me. Okay? But hopefully, just as you were reminded again today, what your reason to sing for is. Hey? You are a spiritual leper. You were far off and God saved you. Let's sing together, right? In response to God's best blessing of all. And uh, after we sing that, I'll, I'll close in prayer. All right?